Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again with another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, we've had instant reaction podcast in the third quarter, and we've uh, had to put one off till Sunday and ultimately rolled over uh, after that this weekend after Bud's playing with the flu, and I've got the self-inflicted flu after going out to a drinking lunch and dinner with a friend of mine last night. But, uh, hey, like I said, we've recorded uh, when it's been a blowout, and we've had to push an episode in the year 2022 like this one so that we could get a better perspective as to if Florida State actually had a chance to play in one of the more meaningful bowl games out there, which is quite a freaking turnaround. So uh, this episode will be a little bit everywhere. Uh, we'll we'll look at the Louisiana game briefly. Uh, we'll look at the Florida game briefly, um, and we'll talk about what's necessary and if there's a path for Florida State to make their way into the, uh, the the Orange Bowl. So, my man, I know you're feeling it. I appreciate the effort. Uh, we'll try to lean on uh, me a little bit more than you on this one. But uh, here's here's a go at uh, a Nolcast, and we're off. No doubt about it. Appreciate all of our sponsors, of, of course, Louisiana Hot Sauce, Legendary Home Loans, Congruity, Charlie Park, and, of course, like you guys see on the hat, Tarpon Cellars. All you guys much appreciated. And uh, so, oh, am I muted still? I, I'm sorry. I, no. You're not, not muted, muted, sir. Okay. I was yeah, just saying I, I've got a prize. You've got a Tarpon Sellers hat. I've got a prize picks quarter zip. We're just corporate men this morning. So. My, my voice feels like uh, feels like I should be muted. But uh, hopefully the, the Sudafed kicks in soon. I think I'm on day three of this flu. And my, my wife had it. And she said that she only had the aches for like two days. So I'm hoping that hoping I have it for two and a half and not a full three here. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this is what some of the guys on the team had, mm, I, I wouldn't want, want to go out and put the pads on right mm-hmm. now. So and this is actually kind of going around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there, there's a, I, I know like Boston college, I think their entire offensive line had it this week and, uh, I mean, they lost like 40, 49 and nothing or something against, uh, against the Irish. And, uh, anyway. Florida State 49, Louisiana 17. This officially hit garbage time in the first half because you beat these dudes 35 to nothing. Uh, you scored a touchdown on seven of your first eight drives, uh, which was which was pretty damn impressive, right? Just come out and like this team is having a lot of fun right now. They're they're playing together, they're celebrating each other. They are uh they're celebrating, but they're not really hot dogging necessarily, right? And they're they're playing together as a unit, which is is really nice. And it is really nice to see these guys bounce back after the the October they had, which was you know, an unfortunate October. I, I think you really got to praise Mike Norvell and the staff for the culture that they have instilled here, right? It, it's a culture of a team that plays hard. They really do fight and they don't quit. And not that they had a chance to quit in this game, but I'm saying like they didn't quit on the season, even when it was clear that they uh, had no chance anymore to win the division. After October, they've bounced back, and uh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, I already thought FSU would, you know, win by twenty-four plus, like, like we talked about in the in the uh, the preview slash prediction. But uh, Ingram, this is your fourth straight game against a backup quarterback or a hurt quarterback or both. Uh, apparently, uh, the the starter for Louisiana is done for the year, and none of the media there in Louisiana knew that, and they they played Chandler Fields who. Uh, is flat out terrible. Uh, I mean, like, no offense, but maybe maybe he'll be okay at the Sun Belt level. Uh, but there's a reason the kid got benched. 
and and Woolridge was playing and and you know Woolridge was the kid for them that like beat uh, Marshall on the road. So not that that was a great offense. They kind of have one dude they throw the ball to in Jefferson, as we we talked about in the preview. I mean, he had what eight targets, six catches on the day. A lot of that was kind of in garbage time. Not really a, a real factor for you. So that was good to see you didn't get beat by their stud. Uh, some stats for you here. Louisiana uh, had a 40% success rate on offense in the first quarter, but uh, but no explosive plays in the first quarter. Actually, negative uh, rating in the explosive plays, which I almost never see when I pull my data. And then second quarter, they had a 0% success rate, which is nice to see. And again, a negative uh, EPA as far as success rate goes. So, or excuse me, <clears throat> explosive rate. Your defense just came out and whipped these guys. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. This defense is definitely better than it was because it's got its guys back. They seem to be playing together more as a unit. We don't know the answer to the question of how they will be or would be against an explosive passing offense or just a competent passing offense. The last four you've played have been just downright kind of horrendous throwing the ball, right? And that's kind of the one weakness we think of this of this defense is just allowing easy completions. But you may not face one the rest of this year, depending on who you get to play in the bowl game. So the way they're playing right now on defense, I think can work against Florida. And this will be a test, and we'll talk more about this in the preview, but you know the, the over-under here opened up at 58. Spread is, is nine. That's... Hmm. Kind of an implied score of like 34-24. In my mind, you you faced four competent offenses, right? LSU, Louisville, Clemson, and Wake. They scored 23, 31, 31, and 34. Can you hold Florida to 21? I don't know. Can you hold them under 27? Because I think you can score the ball on Florida. And there's a couple things I think you did in this game that set them up, by mm-hmm. the way. Like, I... Yeah. I will say Florida State was very vanilla in terms of not introducing a whole lot of new plays, but they did run a lot of different formations, which I like because you're going to make you're going to make UF prep for a lot of these different formations during their, their short week of prep because you're playing on a Friday here, right? You you did you did you know you, you did your pistol stuff, you did some pistol double wing, you did some sort of like double offset tight end stuff. One play I thought they threw in, which is a neat wrinkle that I haven't really seen them do a lot this year. They've done it a couple times. So we you ran a bunch of counter in this game. Okay, and the Sudafed's definitely kicking in now. I'm probably talking pretty quick. I feel it. Glorious talk. So Bud told me he couldn't talk today. He's just ripping five minutes, no problem. This is a uh, normal null cast. The one uh <laughs> all right. The 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 one counter you ran, um, you know how FSU runs that little like kind of like hop skip, uh like like quick pitch sweep thing? You ran you ran a little counter off that where both the back and Jordan did the little hop step. To like like with a quick counter pitch, it's almost like a like a pseudo speed option look that you're going to run your little, your little like like quick pitch sweep off, but they actually ran counter off that. So, you know, my question is, is that something that's going to make UF pause a little bit when you're trying to run your normal little like little quick pitch thing? They've done this before, but I, I just thought, okay, what is Mike doing here? Clearly, he's going to make Florida think about well, we can't overplay this, right? We can't overplay that. Jordan pulled the ball quite a bit in this game. I mean, how, how many runs did he have? Um, I had a friend who had Jordan <clears throat> under the rushing on uh, prize picks, and 
They had literally almost ended the first offensive play of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, f- five for thirty-eight. Uh, and he and were any of the? I think one of those was a scramble. So maybe four design runs. I'm trying to think here. He had he has the one scramble where he uh, flushes to the left and picks up about six yards or so. I think everything else that I can recall was a design run. Okay, so either three or four definitely like design runs. Two of them clearly were pulls because he he scored touchdowns on both of them. And and I wonder, too, if that isn't uh, to help you open up the pass game against Florida, right? Because some of those looks, the defense doesn't necessarily know, is this an actual zone read type thing or is it more of an RPO, right? What is Jordan reading there? I think you're doing some stuff in this game, a lot of different formations, but not a lot of different plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, you right. ran counter a boatload, a lot of different formations, a couple little wrinkles on, on those things that maybe you make UF prep for. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you can throw off this look. You can throw off that look. Uh, floor, like, I don't know, like we're doing this preview of the game, but you got to think like, how does this apply to UF? A little bit of situational tempo in this game. I don't think, I mean, we, we've said this every single week. I'm not giving away state, state secrets. I think if you can tempo Florida, you should because they are thin on the defensive line. It's it's week 12. You want to get into that UF depth. You, you, you want to, I think Florida State should want to run 80 or 90 plays in this game if you can. Um, and I, I, I like you in a shootout more than in a, a slow run the football slog fest type game, personally. Just gonna give, it gives Mike the chalk more more times, right? You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a good game anytime uh, the opponent kicks a field goal at the end of the half to salvage a thirty-five to three score, make it look <laughs> a little bit better. And it's a good game anytime you get to play all four of your quarterbacks, which uh, that that was interesting to see. Uh, interesting to see you got Tate in, but for a second, and you know maybe gave Gino and and AJ the most uh, most burn that they're going to see this year. But uh, yeah, man, everybody kind of got a little bit from the running side of the ball. I think the you know the bigger storyline there is the return of Treshawn Ward. Uh, he looks uh, healthy. I think benefited uh, by continuing to be able to hold him back and not force him back earlier. Um, you've got three exceptionally talented running backs uh, for the college level, and uh, I have to give. Lawrence Toll Philly credit, not a not a wild game by him by any means here, but just the emergence of that guy over uh, the year. And you started to see it at the end of last year, um, I think, is a, you know, obviously, if we're making a list of uh, offensive, you know, the, the reason why the offense is the way it is uh, it starts with Jordan and Toe may not be sixth or seventh on that list, but he certainly added a dynamic to this offense that was needed. And uh Dude's a much more productive player than I thought he was going to be. So hands up on that one and, and credit to Toe Philly for the, for the year that he's given, uh, particularly these last six or seven games. The the way that Mike pieces this offense together is, is really, really well done. And it, it shows, you know, something I, I don't want to talk about Jimbo every episode, even though we probably could given the way their, their year's going and uh, given the way that we were called idiots the entire time in, uh, you know, throughout 2017. So that exodus at halftime had to be organized, right? That's not that's not a coincidence that damn ninety two percent of the stadium leaves. It was like uh, twenty five degrees there with, with, with sleet. So okay. I, I don't I don't know like yeah. if maybe you're um, right. But and I, they do love their band there in a different level than almost any other program. So that those fans like stay and like watch cult, the band play like a cult like way, like a, in a different. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> a different level of buy-in type way. Definitely. Yes. All right. So here's my thought. There's no way this offense looks anywhere near this good with Jimbo. With yeah. these pieces. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it would look robotic and slow. And I don't think that you'd be pl putting players in, in the best position to make plays. M Mike clearly, I think, like Mike tries, I think, to call plays for players and not just call plays. Right. You know, what's, what's interesting about Jimbo is I felt like his first years at Florida State, he did that. When he realized the defense was as horrible as it was and that he was going to have to score as much, yeah. that was as as uh, flexible a coach as there was and, and willing to adjust and willing to play in a manner that he knew he had to to win games. I don't know what happened to 2009, 2010 Jimbo, um, but desperation. It's, he wasn't yeah, proven, yeah, true. Right? Yeah, like desperation. You didn't, didn't have a hundred million in the bank already. Like, first like, chance to prove yourself at a major job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely um, agree. Like, I mean, do you think? I, I don't think there's any way that, that that Mike scores less than thirty points on UMass with with A and M's players. Yeah, right. No. I mean, there's no way, and I just, I mean. I don't know. I, I, I can't say that the run game wouldn't, wouldn't be as good, but the pass game I don't think would be quite as good here because of, of some of the creative stuff they do to set it up. You know, it's not like you have a, a for sure NFL quarterback, right? Mike, Mike like you're not asking you're not asking Jordan to read it out on every single play. Mike is Mike schemes up stuff for them. There are a lot of plays where you know you're, you're, it, you're reading one or two, right, and you choose, and it, it, there's there's a boatload of run action. It, you don't do a whole lot of just straight dropback stuff right now because that's not what your personnel dictates. So you are playing to your strengths. And you could tell me, and, and if you're a naysayer, I, I get it. Like you could say, like, bud, I mean, a couple of these teams you've played seem to have kind of quit or, or just like they didn't have they didn't bring their dudes. I'm like, yeah, that, that's fair, but you're still going out there and doing it. And you could say, like, hey, anything you run would work. Okay, I, I get that, but uh it is four weeks in a row. And they're they're looking good. So, if I have any kind of, I don't know, if I have any kind of like negatives about this game, and they're not many, right? Because I'm not really sure how much you tried to show. The past game was a little bit like not clunky. I, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? It just kind of not super explosive, and it it felt like you you were you didn't have a lot of guys open at times, right? Does that make sense? I, I just, but then again, I felt like Louisiana was playing to deny the explosive play, and I think your success rate shows that. So they they kept a lot of dudes back. They were not blitzing you a ton, at least in in the reps that that I watched, and, and I, I I got the zoomed out angle on this. Your success rate, I think, matches that, right? I mean, you had a sixty eight percent running success rate. You got light box a decent bit of the time. I think Louisiana was trying to not allow seventy mm -hmm. in this game, and they were like, okay, like let's get in here, let's get out. We have a chance. Louisiana has a chance to make a bowl still, right? Yeah, they do. They are they're five and six. They are five and six. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the game next week for them at Texas State is a winnable game. Texas State won 16-13, I think, if I recall, because I had some under there uh, against South or against uh, Arkansas State. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think both these teams coming in this game had sort of a mission to get the next week, and and they did get the next week, which was which was fantastic. Uh, Whole offensive line, I think, is playing as a unit pretty well. You, you, I mean, how many tackles for loss did you allow? And I know it's it's freaking Louisiana, but I mean, dude, 
there just wasn't much penetration. You know, you you didn't always block the second level super well. And I, again, if, if 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 you want to nitpick this thing, I guess we can. You didn't block the second level amazingly well at times. I mean, you, you but the first level blocking was good. You, you, and that to me is showing independent of opponent and your communication was good. You weren't allowing a lot a lot of a lot of free runners at your backs or at Jordan for the most part. Uh that was that was encouraging, right? And and that that's showing me that at this point in the season, Alex Atkins is, is has these guys well coached. They're still limited physically somewhat, but this is the best offensive line play you've had since probably twenty fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, yeah, fifteen was what I had in mind, but uh, absolutely, basically saying the same thing. Um, Final comment from me on this game in the uh, we're all getting old department and uh, great to see Ethan Fisher was actually a unofficial visitor for this game, bud. Ethan has wow. turned into a, a very good kicker and uh, credit to him for that. And yes, we are all getting very old. So uh, good, good for Ethan to make his way out there and turn himself into quite the little college kicker or potential college kicker. That's awesome, man. Wow. Good. Good for Ethan. That, that's that is fantastic. Um, all right. So you did get to see the backups in this game a lot. It's kind of cool to see Gino English get in there, right? Also, like Duffy, <clears throat> clearly has some arm talent, clearly has a long way to go before he is uh, is a viable starter at this level. You know, Rodemaker got in there through, you know, through one pass, 45-yarder, kind of nice. Uh, but, yeah, man, um, that was that was nice to see. I, I would say I like I I like the uh continued development of Douglas, right? At, at at tight end. I mean, he's he's a dude who still has a chance to get into even better shape mm-hmm. overall. Uh but and I don't think he's somebody who is at this point like if I tell you he's your starting tight end next year, I'm probably not thrilled with that, but I'm more pleased with that than I would have been this time in the preseason, but if he's your starting tight end in 2024 as like a very advanced, I mean, he'd be what, 20, 21, 22 years old. I don't know what his birthday is. That's the kind of guy I feel like body type wise might develop late. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's uh, his, you know, trajectory as far as d- development has been impressive. Very raw kid. As we always knew, um, has started to flash hands a little bit better. As a as a nice catch in this game, um, listed at what two hundred and sixty eight pounds or whatever. So um, yeah, if he's your starter next year, I'm not doing backflips, but I feel real comfortable with it, particularly based off how he's developed and some of Can the he signs block that well we've seen where you don't need to take a blocking tight end in the portal. Uh, I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like, can they get him to that point to where he is doing like like he's he's blocking that well? Physically, you would certainly expect him to uh, continue to improve as a blocker. I mean, he's got a big frame. Not He's not one of these 232-pound tight ends or something like that. I mean, he's got the ability to to match up with a defender a lot better than uh, than some of these hybrid H-backs that, that you see at the position nowadays. But, um, yeah, man, I, I just, you know, good for Biscuit. Been a, been a good season for him, and he's kind of, as the term that we've used a lot, he's flashed. Uh, and and proven good on on some of the potential that some of the coaching staff thought that he had out there. So, 
no doubt about it. Uh, and also, like he he might have been further along had he not gotten hurt right when he got there, right? So, um, let me see. Do we need to talk defensively at all? Like, like, who you liked? Because there's a lot of guys to like. Yeah, I mean, this is a <laughs> Fabian kind of whipped their ass. Just keep doing it. Fabian is, uh, you know, obviously it's not high level commentary to say that Fabian makes this defense entirely better. Blah blah blah. It'd be incredible to see what you would have been like had you had Fabian all year, things that we've said and others have acknowledged as well. Uh, but it is just a reminder. If Fabian doesn't defeat blocks, a lot of times Fabian humiliates the person that's trying to block him uh, and throws him aside. Uh, DJ Lundy had a nice little day statistically. Verse continues to flash. Enjoy Verse while you got him, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, defense has, has continued to – come along and uh would have been nice to have you know not given up 14 points in the fourth quarter but again when you're you know scored in the high 40s and other teams are scoring last minute garbage uh garbage touchdowns you're that's something you can live with and kind of a a, a luxury that florida state fans have gotten accustomed to over the past couple of weeks i mean you had what five sacks before garbage time i think it was I'm trying to remember here uh no, because technically garbage time. But but you had you had four sacks through the third quarter, right? So before you put your third stringers in there, I mean you you dominated these guys pretty hard. Uh, they got nothing in the past game and seven PBUs for you, no no picks. But uh, you definitely harassed their receivers a a pretty good bit. I I, I think I'll just go back to the most encouraging thing for me o- overall uh, was that there are games in which you don't look smooth. And you still win because you hit explosive plays because you just have better athletes. And Louisiana was definitely like, hey, we're not going to give you the explosive plays. Drive it to beat us. The worst case scenario here is that we run the game clock and this thing doesn't, you know, it doesn't end up 70 to 14. You know, it's 49 to 14. And you said, okay, we will do that at a 62% success rate clip. That is just, that's showing me a team that is in rhythm overall and a team that is just because we've seen games like this where it's like, okay, you didn't look that great. I would say Georgia tech actually kind of like that, right? Where, okay, you hit some explosives. Didn't really look super smooth overall. The run game here looked pretty smooth despite just running your base stuff. Louisiana, uh, obviously not, not a great opponent. I kind of wonder how much they prep for this, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Uh, given that they do have a chance to go to a bowl next week but yeah i was uh i was encouraged there man um now two minutes on florida maybe i uh richardson graded out really well other guys on that team did not uh they like i don't know that they have the best receivers right now which is really i think encouraging for you and if you look at this, where did I, put this? I, I pulled their advanced stats earlier from the game. Here You're a statistical man, bud. Let me throw one at you. You know how like in the NFL, they're like, oh, if you score a defensive touchdown, you win 76% of the time or something like that, right? Yeah. What's the percentage of games you win if your long snapper scores a touchdown? Uh, probably a million percent. <laughs> I was sitting there with a friend of mine. I'm like, who's not a big football fan. I'm like, let me tell you. Like the other 21 guys on the field are like elite level athletes, like gazelles, long snappers, just a, most times just like your average Joe, who that's his 
where he finds out on football. Uh, and then Vandy's long snapper scored. And I was like, yeah, okay, there you go. Good for you, Vandy. Long snapping is more of a skill than talent. Like, it's something you can actually, yes. like, like, learn to be good at. Like, like you, you can't learn to run 4-4. You can, within reason, learn to be a decent long snapper if you start early enough. You know, it's kind of, uh, like, if you're a dad out there and you want to get your son a scholarship and you think he's probably not going to be, a, like, like, a mega beast physically, teach him long snap is not the worst thing in the world. You, you can you can do that. Guy with, I played uh, with uh, – in middle school was the long snapper for the Bucks for like 11 years. Economos, if that name rings a bell yeah. to anybody. Yeah, he played played oh. in the league. That dude was not an NFL player otherwise. I can uh, I can assure you that. So there's your uh, three-minute long snapping update on uh, today's wow. Nolcast. And if you have an interest in sponsoring this uh, segment, please contact me. I'll always be selling. All right. So Florida, interestingly here, and I, I've not rewatched the game. I, I had it on and off. Um this was interesting. Vanderbilt came out and basically said, throw it on us if you can. And Florida said, we will. And they Florida threw it pretty well. 400 plus yards, 48% success rate. But a 25% success rate for the Gators running the football is, is pretty damn bad. Like, that's, that's not good. And also, I think if you're the Gators, that makes – Vanderbilt made those guys play left-handed. Florida's comfort zone is clearly trying to run the football and run the football with with their backs and with Richardson. And I just if you look at that game, man, uh, Florida outgained those dudes a lot. I mean, it was uh, basically if you play it again, I think we're all picking Florida uh, just because of the fact that they outgained them by like 170 yards. And still, I just think there's situational stuff here that Vandy did. Did well, yeah. So Florida outgained him four forty five to two eighty three on the yards okay. yards per play basis seven to four point six. This was uh, one of the more fluky losses, not of the season, but of the day. I think I think Conley had him in like the thirties as far as expected win percentage for uh, for Vandy. But I, I do think it's notable, right? Like you got ahead game script wise. Uh, Richardson four for twenty five. Uh, Vandy didn't have a single sack and only had two tackles for a loss. Uh, you know, their, their running back, uh, Johnson, only had 25 on 11 carries. They really just couldn't run the ball. Now, they threw the ball 25-42 for 400, uh, which is pretty impressive, uh, obviously. But it didn't turn into points necessarily. Uh, obviously, you said Vandy had the, uh, you know, the, the long snapper uh, recovered the, the kick, which which is quality. Vandy also had a 28-yard one-play touchdown drive, I think, after another uh, another turnover by the Gators. This is interesting. I want to go back and watch this to see exactly what Vandy was doing to take away Florida's run game because I feel like you have – clearly you have better athletes than Vandy. It's not a feel like. I, I know that. Uh, because for a lot of the year, I've been thinking, okay, maybe you force, uh, maybe you force Anthony Richardson to be consistent throwing the football, but like their passing success rate was forty eight percent. That's pretty good in, against a, a conference opponent, even if it is Vandy, I guess. They took away the run, and I'm now I'm kind of intrigued. What FSU will decide to do against these dudes? Will, will they will they load the box? How did Vandy take away the run? Uh, looking here at the participation chart for for UF, it appears that maybe some of their uh, 
they hold some of their guys because some of these some of these names in the offensive line I don't really recognize as as Florida's normal starter. So I'm kind of curious to see who they did or did not play. Maybe they. Ooh man, if if they uh, if they held dudes out and lost the game, that's yeah. uh, the old look ahead. Of, of, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to accuse them of holding that like on purpose, but uh, or, or you know, like maybe they actually are are hurt, hurt, but. Um, yeah um hmm that's uh that's a game i think you feel pretty good about overall because i think you'll score on on the gators right uh, mm-hmm. vandy with a uh 57 passing success rate in this ball game didn't have to throw it very much which obviously i mean when, when you have the lead they only threw 16 passes but mike wright is not a very good passer for the commodores and that's still a pretty good success rate for them. Um, Florida ca- caused very little havoc against Vandy. Vandy had several offensive linemen out. I think that's the real key here, by the way. If you're not causing havoc against Vandy, mm-hmm. will, will you cause havoc against the Knowles? Right. Probably shouldn't, but you still got to go out there and take care of business. Vandy run game-wise, uh, this is something interesting too, man. So 46 for 175. But the longest run was 26. So it appeals, appears like Vandy actually could, they kind of could run it when they need to. That was 32% rushing success rate. That's not the worst thing the world I've ever seen. Um, I don't know. There's definitely some stuff to like there. Hard not to, I mean, look, we're not the players, whatever, but hard not to get, you know, maybe overly confident after watching that. And I'll go back and watch the, Fandy game again, but uh, that's not not quite the way that some of these other games have fallen. Certainly not the way that Miami fell into like the, oh, if you lose this game, it's going to be really embarrassing category based off how they've played in the weeks following uh, or preceding your game. But, you know, Florida, Florida certainly took the shine off themselves a little bit. And hey, look, uh, anytime you get a chance to, this is year one, everybody gets a pass. Uh, I'm not saying that People are going to start climbing on their coach, but anytime you get a chance to to thump somebody and and uh, if you can parlay a Vandy loss into a Florida State loss and and put that on the Florida fan base and its coach, uh, that's that's what you do. Again, uh, make the most of it. Nobody's losing support in year one, or at least significant support. But you know, go ahead and start to plant the seed of doubt and uh, in in this season on a, a bit of a sour note for for Florida, whereas two or three weeks ago. I, think they were legitimately thinking that they were going to relatively overperform as far as what their in-season expectations were so also i will point this out right and and it wasn't garbage time so i get that through the third quarter vandy outgained these guys 226 to 215 okay so this was a vastly different game once the commodores got up because they were up 28 12 through the third quarter florida really i mean they i'm not saying they didn't move the ball early but in the fourth quarter they had drives of 91 75 and 57 57 was was to end the half or to rather to end the game that they did not score on that uh that's the hail mary that flies 12 yards past the end zone which is always a good look when you're throwing it from like the 37 or whatever that was the one they turned over on downs by the way uh richardson seems to make the right read and Credit to Vandy for uh, making the right read be the, the deep shot, and he just misses him by like, I mean, it, it's a non-competitive pass. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I'm sure Adam Fuller is watching that and saying, okay, got, got some options here. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of which, might have more bowl options. Crazy, man. Crazy that uh, the way Saturday played out for you on that end and uh, some of the losses that were taken. Obviously, the Tennessee is is, is significant uh, as to how it opens up some of this and whether or not Clemson can get in the college football playoff and how that impacts uh, Florida State's ultimate destination. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what it looks like tomorrow night with where the committee puts these things. Um, but, Bud, I don't know. What would you say 25 to 30 percent chance Florida State could could land in the Orange Bowl this year. Well, so I mean, you need to. They, they cannot go to the Orange Bowl without Clemson going to the college football playoff, right? right? So basically, you need to figure out what Clemson's college football playoff chances are, uh, and then you need to win out, and you need. I think you may need a couple more things to happen, right? Um, do you need NC State to beat UNC? Like if UNC loses to Clemson, or, or, or is UNC, or excuse me, if UNC beats NC State but loses to Clemson, are they going to the Orange Bowl as the ACC runner-up? I would, because they would have three. They'd have three losses, have and they three would have losses, made the championship game, two in conference. Uh yeah, good question. I don't know. I don't. I think that becomes a conference. Uh, I think that becomes a bull pick at that point, but I'm not, I don't say that with confidence or that I, I know that to be the case. Uh, UNC had the orange bowl three in 2020. Cause they pl- remember UNC right. played A&M in the COVID yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, it's been what? the old high watermark as it will be referred to uh, for, yes, for the uh, experiment out in college station. I mean, I figure Clemson probably has about, I don't know, 30% odds to make the playoff right now. Um, and then you probably need maybe one or two more things to happen, I would say. So let's give Florida State like a non-zero chance at the Orange Bowl, uh, which I don't think a couple weeks ago we would have said. I cannot believe Zach Gibson beat UNC, by the way. In- insane. I was listening to that game on the radio like it was the 1940s or something like that. Uh, and it was I, – I, I would say it was hard to quantify other than the fact that you just know UNC seemingly has one of these in them each year. Uh, and I literally listened to it play out on the radio on Saturday night. Uh, kind of a strange game. It kicked off at 6.05 or whatever it did, uh, and UNC started out okay. But far and away, uh, their quarterback, who were both exceptionally high on his worst game of the year by, by light years. Um, and, yep, UNC just turned in their clunker against one of the worst – college football teams I've seen with without the uh, – if you haven't watched Georgia Tech again, like the promising freshman who came in and played okay at quarterback has since gotten hurt and is out for the year, and they've got the guy back in the game who, you know, tends to prefer to just go into the fetal position and take sacks as opposed to operate an offense. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're UNC, it's nice, nice that Mac Brown's risen the floor there and has recruited okay. Uh, but it sure looks like you've got one or two games a year that are just kind of crap sandwiches. And yeah, uh, that was, that was one this weekend. I mean, giving up, uh, giving up 20 plus to Georgia tech with Zach Gibson. Remember guys, if, if you don't recall, if you don't follow ACC quite like we do, Zach Gibson is the quarterback that was just horrendous for Georgia tech against FSU. And then they, they put in the, the freshman backup who's actually pretty good freshman backups now hurt. So they had to play Gibson and, uh, Giving up 20 plus to Gibson is a sign of poor, poor defensive coaching, in my opinion. Like that, 
that is just as bad as giving up 63 to South Carolina in my mind. I mean, get, get like that offense is incompetent and inept with Gibson in there. And you, that's just, that's terrible. Yep. Um, you know that, that Vandy did not have a play of 30 yards. Did not know that. No. Kind of interesting. Hmm. While we're just bouncing around, bud, did, did you know that I saw the future on Friday night? No, <laughs> you, you do. Cause I texted you, but uh, oh, oh, the, the, the offensive tackle. I went and saw a kid. I went and saw a friend of mine who was coaching in a high school championship game. And uh, he's got a sophomore by the name of David Sanders. I don't think he projects as an offensive tackle. I think he projects as maybe a defensive end or maybe another offensive position. You're not going to use a kid who's considered potentially the number one prospect in this class as a tight end, but uh, I don't think he has the frame for tackle. I do think he has the frame to do damn near anything else that uh, that is out there. And if you're a recruit, Nick, uh, like, like us, you can write that name down, David Sanders out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, you'll only see – Big things to come. I can I can all but promise you that. I like to see. I, I don't pay a lot of attention to the twenty five uh, ratings, to be honest. But I, I like to see that we have him uh, as like one of the top players in the entire country. Right? I think so, you've got him at number one in the country. So uh, from from what this uh, you know from what this layman saw on Friday, I think your ratings are uh, are pretty accurate. He looks looks like a difference maker as a twenty five already. That's that's good to see. Uh, let me see our prize picks card. We did. Uh, Rundown. I know we tweeted it out. Our FSU selection, Jordan, under uh, 18 and a half completions, clearly hit. Jordan only threw 14 passes. It is difficult in most most times to complete 18 and a half or more passes if you only throw the ball 14 times. Uh, let me see. Uh, Marquise Irving, yeah, that I believe that hit on the over. He caught a couple passes and scored a touchdown for Oregon. Jackson Dart throwing a pick. Uh, Unsure on that one. Hendon Hooker in a shootout. Did Hooker get the uh, this loss? But I'll, I'll get to why it lost. Uh, but we, we hit the Jordan part, uh, which I was pretty happy with. Frank Harris, UTSA just was able to run the ball enough, so he didn't have to throw. We knew that Rice's three corners were out, so I'd probably play that one again in every possible combination that I could. Just if, if you know the opponent is down top three corners, that's probably something you should uh, you should go after. And uh, yeah, man. So we'll fire another one on Friday. Always appreciate Prize Picks supporting the show. And um, can't wait for this weekend. I had a hard time with my Prize Picks uh, card this weekend because you just didn't know who was going to play how long. And really, yeah. the only games that I felt comfortable with were Oregon, Utah, and USC, uh, UCLA, which was a really fun game to watch uh, if you happen to watch it. But uh, yeah, look forward to. Look forward to this weekend with a little bit more certainty. And thank you, as always, to our friends at Prize Picks. It is, uh, it is fun to play a little Daily Fantasy. Speaking of Daily Fantasy, I do have to point out, because I know he's a listener of the show, Costello, Ingram, it, it, how pissed would you be if you lost your matchup 117.4 to 117.1? Is this your fantasy? Yeah. 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 Well, that's tough. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Well, I, I went to bed well before the, the Chargers game ended uh, last night. So, all right, I got to run downstairs and we have to upload this thing. And I've got to probably pound some more cold medicine because I'm live in about uh, four hours. So I'll see you, man. There you go. Enjoyed it. Thanks for making it possible this morning, bud. Talk to you all soon. We'll be back uh, for the Florida game, certainly. Hope you have a great week. Great Thanksgiving. Go Knowles. Uh, like I said, we'll uh, preview the Florida game, the Friday game in its entirety later on. Till then, 
Thanks for supporting the North. Okay.